0: Good afternoon and welcome to Voice of the People, radio by and for the 99% for October 21st, 2023. And we begin our show, the intro music is Leonard Cohen's Democracy, a song we all love, if not just only because it's so true. So... You are listening to KFGM 101.5 FM, Frenchtown, full-powered Missoula Community Radio, live-streaming on 1015kfgm.org, no punctuation, just eight characters in a row, and available on podcast at anchor.fm forward slash vop-montana or Searchable on Spotify and other podcast apps under Voice of the People, radio buy-in for the 99%. This is Jim Soundman, who was soundly back in the Western Hemisphere and sitting in Missoula after three months in Japan. And the inimitable Linda Gillison.
1: Woot, woot, woot,
0: woot, woot. <laughs> yes so well, glad to have you here linda
1: i can't go anywhere i only oh. went to late one this summer but that's it
0: oh so it was a sabbatical or mm, sort of a hajj for a labor person
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and mark andrelick the star of the show greetings and possibly <laughs> tully Sanum, if he can join us later on in the show We broadcast from the New Public Library in the Missoula Valley of Montana, the homeland of the Salish and Kootenai people. We are recording this show from the comfort of our own homes, though, for the time being, which is located in that same Salish and Kootenai homeland, except for
1: a young lady from
0: the Piedmont. And uh, Linda, darling, would you please introduce yourself?
1: I sure will. And that's the Piedmont of North Carolina, of course.
0: Oh, Oh, no.
1: With any other kind of Piedmont. Right. I'm, I'm here in North Carolina where there have been so many. Indian tribes, as I keep finding out that it's hard to say whose homeland this is in the Piedmont. <laughs> but I'm going to stick with the Lumbee because they're still in the long, long, torturous process, which has been made even longer perhaps by the House, um, oh. federal recognition. So uh, actually, I think they've already been approved by the House. So um, in any case, that's wonderful. Lumbee. Yep, for sure. Well, uh,
0: the squeaky teepee gets oiled, so I'm glad to hear that.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Well, and our show
2: Voice of the People seeks to give local, state, national, and international news and perspectives on that news that you rarely hear from the corporate news media. We cite our sources and try our best to follow good journalistic ethics. Our bias, and we admit we have a bias, is to inform and educate the 99%, the working class in Montana so we can build our power to establish political and economic democracy. With all of that said, uh, we wanna give, uh, in this last show of our fourth year, believe it or not, Yes, was started uh, uh, by myself and, and old Mick. And so we wanna say hi to old Mick and I hope you're doing well, Mick.
1: Hey Mick, I hope you're doing well.
0: I also hope you're doing well, Mick, and um, I know that if you had the chance, you would have been filling in as the original sound, sound man, while I was in Japan, and voiceless.
1: You would have.
2: Well, yes, and he, I must say, Jim has to come to Montana to get internet service, which That's (laughs) that's,
1: <laughs> that's kind of an interesting point,
2: yeah. isn't it? It is very interesting. Anyway, well, uh, despite all of that, we have a good show today. Um, we have a grim word of the week, and it's dehumanization. Um, but we'll also hear from various participants and speakers at the Palestinian Solidarity Rally held at the Missoula County Courthouse on October 5th, 14th. And we look at a proposed Missoula city ordinance that further dehumanizes our unhoused neighbors in Missoula. Um, That is a whole lot for your community radio dollar.
0: I, um, I agree completely. And, you know, we have a six syllable word of the week this week and you know, it, it takes money to be able to come up with words that big.
2: <laughs> that's right. And it's only one word. So that's like,
0: yeah, we're, we're uh, and,
2: and
1: to hold on to your audience once they mm-hmm. know the word. Is.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's the one word. Trick, yeah. That's the real trick. Yeah. One word for one world. That's don't we right. all hope? Yes, we do. So uh, dehumanization. That's a nice big word seems like there is a lot of this going on today well there sure is jim and it is alarming
2: um, from the middle east ukraine and in the u.s even here in montana and missoula uh, we seem to be uh, experiencing this and it seems to be spreading as well so what is dehumanization well jim funny you should ask <laughs> um I want to highlight an article in Psychology Today from June 21st, 2018, so it's about five years old, by Sherry Hamby, PhD, entitled, What is Dehumanization Anyway? (laughs) Written just for you, Jim, I think. Um, (laughs) So uh, anyway, Hamby writes, quote, when you see the president or other politicians use terms like animals or even worse, infestation a term usually reserved for insects, they are engaged in dehumanization. People use dehumanization to justify greed, violence, and abuse. Although dehumanization is most associated with right-wing nationalism, others sometimes use dehumanizing language
0: too, end quote. We just heard Israeli Defense Minister Yov Galant, not Galan. We are fighting human animals and we must act accordingly. And yeah,
2: accordingly. yeah, and that's a, a textbook case of dehumanization, if there yes. was one. Uh, and there are many others too.
0: Uh, why is dehumanization practiced?
2: Well, and this is really a critical piece. This is from Hamby again, writing in Psychology Today. Quote, dehumanization is one of the eight forms of moral disengagement described by the psychologist Albert Bandura, whom I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, Humans are capable of terrible crimes, and civilization has developed ways to inhibit aggression. However, we have not eliminated violence, obviously, in part because of techniques for creating false excuses and justifications for immoral behavior. All moral disengagement techniques are tricks to get people to accept behaviors that they would otherwise immediately recognize as unethical and unfair. For example, assuming most people are not big fans of child abuse, dehumanization and other moral disengagement strategies are used to trick people into accepting abuse of some children. The manipulators do it to secure power or financial gain. Dehumanization involves redefining the targets of prejudice and violence by making them seem less human, that is, less civilized or less sentient than other people. The classic strategy for this is to use terms like animals and vermin. Referring to people as illegals is also dehumanizing. You'll see dehumanization at work in most large-scale atrocities or genocides committed by governments, armies, or terrorists. The main purpose is to get people to accept or even engage in behaviors that they know are wrong, end quote.
0: So in other words, there is often an ulterior motive when political leaders dehumanize some one or some group. And I'd like to add here that <laughs> um, um, I had the privilege of growing up with a father who was a Holocaust survivor, and he said the most horrible thing he had to do was, you know, when he, is it, because of, he, he grew up speaking Yiddish, um, the army, you, you know, the US army, I imagine, since they were Daco first, had him do interviews, you know, exit interviews of German officers. And um, Yiddish is similar enough to German that if both people are fluent speakers of one or the other, they can kind of get by. And he said he was horrified if that's a strong enough word by what he would hear from these people that had done horrible, horrible things. And he knew because he was speaking to the people on the other side of the gate that were (laughs) speaking and hearing what was going on to them. And they were um, nonplussed by it all and said, you know, it's you're going to hear a whole bunch of baloney about what we did, you know, we knew we were right all along. These are, these are terrible people. The only mistake we ever made was allowing ourselves to lose the war. Um, he never wrapped his head around that. He could justify and understand the, the way he and others were being treated, but he could not understand how human beings could be so corrupted and balderized that they could see right as wrong and wrong as right.
2: And and this process of dehumanization is a way of allowing that to happen.
0: Exactly. That's why I'm so pleased that (laughs) that this is the place you started at, Mark, with our discussion of this topic. Mm -hmm. Because I got to see it firsthand. I don't have to be convinced.
2: Yes. Well,
0: and there
2: is often an ulterior motive um, with political leaders when they dehumanize Mm -hmm. someone or some group. Um, As Hamby points out, political leaders know they can't get people to support violence against another person unless that person is dehumanized. Mm -hmm. An example of this is how good Americans can support the world's largest prison system in history, by the way, uh, because people of color and the poor, the principal inhabitants of U.S. prisons, are dehumanized as ruthless criminals or drug addicts or yeah. any number of things,
0: right? Called ver- liberals. Yeah. Liberals, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Amen. So is it just in politics that dehumanization takes place?
2: Well, Hamby says this, quote, uh, dehumanization is not limited to political issues. However, anytime someone reduces a human being to a single characteristic, especially a negative one, They are dehumanizing. Alcoholic, addict, diabetic, and schizophrenic all rob people of the full complexity of their lives and reduce them to a symptom or disorder. Even many self-professed humanitarians use dehumanizing and inaccurate terms like super predator, uh, which was (laughs) was more clear Oh, yes. Uh, In the crime scare of the 1990s, uh, all slurs... In that which are insults based on race, gender, sexual orientation, health status, or other characteristic, are also dehumanizing. And there are other examples also, right? Unfortunately, yes. We need to only look at the racist dehumanization of people of color in U.S. history that enable horrors such as genocide of Native peoples, slavery of Blacks, the violent persecution of Chinese people, the internment during World War II of Japanese, and such. Today, not only do we see the dehumanization of Palestinians by the Israeli government, but also of of Israelis by Hamas. Hamas uses the history of violence aimed at Palestinians as a way to justify killing civilians. And we have seen the Israeli government use those killings to dehumanize all Palestinians, to justify the current attempted genocide happening in Gaza. We see the dehumanization of Russians by our corporate media as well, which allows, allows the US to send military weapons to a corrupt oligarchy in Ukraine. And more locally, we saw the dehumanization of trans people by the majority in the Montana legislature, so they can pass horrific legislation to secure the votes of right-wing religious zealots. And the Missoula City Council and the local media have really consistently dehumanized unhoused people to justify the horrible treatment of the sweeps of the unhoused encampments. Despite all the woke rhetoric, we are swimming in a sea of dehumanization at this moment.
0: Oh, and here's the $64 million question. What does Hanby say are the causes of dehumanization?
2: Well, she says this, Jim. Uh, Quote, there's less research on the causes of moral disengagement versus how moral disengagement is a cause of violence and prejudice, but there are some well-established pathways. The first is manipulation, political or otherwise. In some circumstances, it does not take much to tip people into an us versus them tribalism. And I'll say parenthetically, as we see in our Republican versus Democratic politics, right, purely tribal Second, dehumanization is a component of narcissistic, narcissistic, there's a lot of S's in there, narcissistic, (laughs) and antisocial personality disorders. Fortunately, these cases are relatively rare, but they can be dangerous if they get a platform to manipulate others. And a third way is dehumanization can also be part of the cycle of violence. People who are mistreated as children can wall themselves off as a defense against that pain, both physical and psychological pain. Sometimes what helps abuse victims survive childhood becomes a handicap when they reach adulthood. They may be afraid of experiencing feelings about other victims because that could open the floodgates to all of their bottled up feelings, end quote. And uh, say also parenthetically, and perhaps we are seeing this with both the Palestinians and the Israeli Jews.
0: So how do we counter dehumanization?
2: Well, Handy makes these suggestions, and they're not complete, but <clears throat> here's some. Um, the, she says, to begin with, quote, The opposite of dehumanization is empathy and respect, as perhaps best expressed by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Some version of that belief is found in virtually all world religions. The golden rule is as humanizing as it gets by calling for everyone to give the others the same treatment that you would like to get yourself. The golden rule means that there should be no us-them thinking that all humans, or in some philosophies, all living beings, are part of us. Remember that the only true way to raise yourself, and this is Hamby continuing, remember that the only true way to raise yourself up is by lifting up others, not running them down. Most people recognize the neediness and insecurity behind negative comments that range from petty to fully dehumanizing. Strong people do not need to punch down to feel good about themselves. Attacking infants and children is always punching down for adults, but so is attacking anyone who is less privileged than you are. The more authority and power you have, the more care you need to exercise in criticizing others. Uh, quote, for those of you who are horrified by the dehumanization that has led to children being kept in cages at the border, and this is written in 2018, um, (laughs) or terrorists mowing down civil rights advocates, it is important to not let that horror slip into dehumanization. For example, some elements of the Antifa movement are also using moral disengagement to justify harassing people. The border patrol agents who are ripping children from parents, and the neo-Nazi sympathizers who are advocating for racism are human too. We can call out their behaviors without calling them monsters. Their actions might be hateful, greedy, violent, or maybe even monstrous, but they are actions that are being committed by people. And there's the distinction, right? We have to distinguish between the people and their actions some of them may be victims themselves others may have grown up in families where they were taught to hate there are ways to make a bigot but there are still but they are still people and recognizing their humanity will be essential to reducing dehumanization if we want a more humane society we cannot engage in violence and
0: harassment ourselves this is ha- this is how we can personally change the culture of dehumanization. What about structural dehumanization? What about the barrage of dehumanization put forth by the corporate news media?
2: Well, the classic examination of this structural dehumanization is the book Manufactured Consent, written by Edward Herman and Noam Chomsky. And they wrote it in 1988, I think, is when it was published. In it, they explain... Uh, Oh, and explain how uh, it is the corporate media who transmits a lot of the dehumanization that governments and or uh, groups in society uh, want to uh, promote, and so they became they become uh, because of uh, money, because of corporate ownership, because of. Uh, you know, uh, it's easier to get along in some sometimes uh, with what's going on. So, for instance, right now we have uh, the mass media really uh, doing a pretty good job of dehumanizing the Palestinians, um, and um, not 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 a hundred percent though, right? Um, uh, but uh, because this is what the Biden administration is actually engaged in. So, uh, uh, and. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, in uh, kind of following up on that, writing in the October 16th edition of New York Magazine, so just uh, recently, yeah. S- Sarah Schulman describes the dehumanization of Palestinians through the lens of manufactured consent. Uh, she writes, among political and institutional leaders, there has been a collective refusal to see this horrible violence by Hamas as the consequence of consistent unending brutality paid for by the United States and billions of dollars in aid to Israel per year. Instead, a familiar fog has overtaken so many. They pretend these decades of injustice never took place, that Gazans were not forced against their will to live under siege, that instead a group of them suddenly, out of nowhere and with no history or experience, emerged as monsters and murdered people who had never hurt them in the past and held no threat over their future. Selective recognition is the way we maintain our own sense of goodness. Today, we see this process of denial in every aspect of our lives. In this moment, it has become a tool to justify the sustained murder of thousands in Gaza, where the current death toll sits at over 2,600 people. As Israel began its relentless retaliation last week, an accompanying image of Israeli and American moral cleanliness was put swiftly into action. This is called manufactured consent. Noam Chomsky and Edward Herman's term for a system-supported propaganda by which authorities and media agree on a simplified reality, and it becomes the assumptive truth. We've seen this erasure of history in the uniform responses by Western world leaders, university administrations, heads of foundations, and even book fairs over the past week. President Biden called Hamas's attack, quote, an act of sheer evil, end quote, without acknowledging the decades of colonial repression that make this violence legible. Instead, he summoned another history saying, quote, this attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people, end quote. He then assured Israel it could count on the United States military support as though having been through genocide, entitled them to commit it,
0: end quote.
1: And, you know, the other thing that happens, if I may break in here, the yeah. other thing that happens no. is...
0: Please do, Linda. Don't be mute.
1: <laughs> no, I don't mind. I, I like listening. Um, but uh, the other thing that happens is I was reading in something this week which pointed out that... Um, um there are it was for many years in Germany not allowed to talk about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's only very recently that Germans have begun to think about that and talk about it and put it in their textbooks. And oh. I think that those textbooks for young kids are particularly important or for youth, right? Uh, are particularly important because they begin to set the standard for how we respond to these other people, right? Mm-hmm. And this source, which I was reading, pointed out that, and I I wish that I could remember exactly what it was, but um, that in Israel today, it's against the law to talk about the Nakba. Mm -hmm. which is the catastrophe right which under which uh came upon the palestinians in 1948 after israel was created and that's when the big movements of people out of you know out of places where they lived for generations happened and that whole idea that we don't tell allow ourselves to tell stories about what's happened so we don't really get i mean there there might be Americans today who don't know that what things were like in 1948 and where the Palestinians were and where, how they ended up where they are and so on and so forth. So the stories we tell each other are just incredibly important, I think, and particularly what we tell, and this is timely in our country now, I think, particularly yes. the stories that we tell our school children now in a time when we're confronted with so much of a demand to get this and that and the other out of Mm
3: -hmm. out of
1: curricula so i just wanted to you know the here's a here's a reason for or an excuse for ignorance about the whole Mm -hmm. past of the jews and the palestinians is because that ignorance has been manufactured intentionally just like consent can be manufactured, so can ignorance be manufactured if you work hard enough at it.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely. And Linda, you should have included that you've spent a lot of time living in Germany. So I have.
1: Is, I have. This and is exactly. learned
0: on site. Exactly. This is the real deal.
1: Uh-huh. And exactly. I'll
0: offer that. Mm. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll offer that if you want to see an outstanding example of this, um, it, it, you know, inability to recognize the past, look to Japan, a place where I spent a lot of time and I, and I'm in a situation where I'm considered part of the community. So I, I, I don't get the tourist treatment. Uh, and uh the, Japanese post-war experience is explained in Japan as they were forced into starting World War II and mm-hmm. that the all of the things they were doing outside of their you know, off their island was building the the Far East um, or you know, pan-Far East co-prosperity sphere. Mm-hmm. Is that they were making, making all of asia better by giving it a japanese influence and making it part of the team
1: Mm, uh
0: and you hear it all the you know it's especially prominent in stuff that japan produces for foreign consumption Mm -hmm. which i see a lot of just because my my son was you know had a job that was that you know put him in in the mix on that project and Mm -hmm. it's um it is very concerning. A, a fellow that I spent some time with who, had, who was doing the same thing that my son was doing when he first went to Japan, and, and he grew up in a military family, probably a lot like the people you saw in Germany, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Linda, and uh, mm-hmm. he said that he he's looking for a new spot to ply his trade, thinking maybe Taiwan, since he already knows Mandarin, and mm-hmm. says that Japanese people... In his mind, as a guy that grew up in a military environment, um, are predisposed to the kind of thinking that the military encourages.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. got it, got it. Yeah, I've I've heard uh, description of the the liberal democratic party, which I think has had control of oh the yes national government ever since World War II. Uh, it was yeah. it was kind of a uh, kind of a corporate uh, political body, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Japanese corporations are set up by the U.S. government and mm-hmm. has continued in power to this day. What a surprise.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. both Taiwan and Japan have a very complicated recent past and it seems the more you understand, the less you think you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and, and, and there's it, and there's like all kinds of examples of
2: uh, dehumanization by the Japanese government of the Chinese and the Koreans, especially.
0: Oh yeah, um, no, they were masters at it. So that's yeah. why I thought co-prosperity sphere. Co um, you know, kind of implies um, equality. <laughs> <laughs> and right and, and you know shared softball. goals and methods and it wasn't quite that way right
2: and this is this is what empires and imperial powers do from time immemorial yeah. they yes. they 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 you know they they will uh, dehumanize anyone who opposes them but then they'll say well we we're really a force for good when and and right. then it shuts up the people who they uh commit violence against so mhm mhm
1: Well, so what do we have for current news today, Mark?
2: Well, I thought we'd focus today on the proposed Missoula City Council's so-called an ordinance of the Missoula City Council amending Chapter 12.40, Sections 12.40.010, to come into compliance with the Ninth Circuit decision in Martin versus City of Boise by clarifying that not all city lands are closed to overnight camping or sleeping.
1: That that's really that, has a nice ring, doesn't that, it? That's, that falls has
0: right a off real
2: the, ring.
0: It trips right off yeah. the tongue, doesn't it? Does right off uh, the
2: tongue. All, also known as the anti-camping ordinance, right? So <laughs> yeah. um, less of
0: a nice ring. Yeah, yeah. Right,
1: right. So I guess we need some background information. Particularly, I need some since I don't live in the city anymore. So first, what was this Ninth Court Ninth Circuit Court decision in Martin versus the City of Boise?
2: Yeah, sure, Linda. Well, first of all. The Ninth Circuit is the federal court of appeals for the Western U.S., including Montana. Appeals of the Ninth Circuit are heard, it, are booted up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's a big deal, right? Um, and the uh, Martin v. City of Boise decision boils down to this. Quote, the Ninth Circuit held in 2018 that any restriction in the form of criminal penalties on an individual's ability to sit, sleep, or lay down when no valid alternatives are available is indeed cruel and unusual punishment and a violation of the Eighth Amendment, end quote. This description uh, is by Clay Backel in the Idaho Law Review. However, there is another Ninth Circuit decision very similar to Martin Versus Boise decision, and that is Johnson versus the City of Grants Pass, Oregon, which of course the the city is kind of ignoring uh, in 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 their uh, uh, in their proposed ordinance. Uh, that decision, Johnson versus City of Grants Pass, Oregon, uh, came after the Martin decision last year. According to Oscar Ray, writing on the MRSC website on October 17th, 2022, so a year ago, quote, the city of Grant's Pass argued that its enforcement practices did not violate the Eighth Amendment because of of forbidding cruel and unusual punishment because the issuance of civil citations is not punishment. The Johnson Court disagreed since the civil citations could eventually lead to criminal punishment. Uh, And they wrote, the anti-camping ordinances prohibit plaintiffs from engaging in activity they cannot avoid. The civil citations issued for behavior plaintiffs cannot avoid are then followed by a civil park exclusion order and, eventually, prosecutions Hmm. for criminal trespass. Imposing a few extra steps before criminalizing the very acts Martin explicitly says cannot be criminalized does not cure the anti-camping camping ordinances eighth amendment infirmity (laughs) that's a lot of legal speak um yeah so end quote um so in other words uh it it can't be used as pretext right uh for doing exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing although there's there's a lot of all those here the court clarified that our decision does not address a regime of purely civil infractions which is what the city of missoula wants to do nor does it prohibit the city from attempting other solutions to the homelessness issue, end quote. Uh, And this is uh, uh, Oscar Ray continuing, the Johnson court was not impressed with the city's argument that amending the anti-camping ordinances to allow individuals experiencing homelessness to sleep in parks complied with the Martin case. Although sleeping was technically allowed, the amended ordinance continued to prohibit the use of bedding, sleeping bags, or other materials used for bedding purposes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Noting that uh, Grant's pass is cold in the winter, the court ruled that, quote, the city cannot enforce its anti-camping ordinances to the extent they prohibit the most rudimentary precautions a homeless person might take against the elements, end quote. The court was careful to note that its ruling did not necessarily extend beyond the most rudimentary precautions. Quote, they said, quote, our holding that the city's interpretation of the anti-camping ordinances is counter to Martin is not to be interpreted to hold that the anti-camping ordinances were properly enjoined in their entirety. Beyond prohibiting bedding, the ordinances also prohibit the use of stoves or fires, as well as the erection of any structures. The record has not established the fire, stove, and structures prohibitions deprive homeless persons of sleep or, quote, the most rudimentary precautions, end quote, against the elements. Moreover, the record does not explain the city's interest in these prohibitions. Consistent with Martin, these prohibitions may or may not be permissible, end quote. And Oscar Ray concludes, uh, the Johnson court noted that its decision, like the Martin decision, is narrow. The grants passed ordinances were similar to the Boise ordinances in that they prohibited sleeping and camping in public places on a citywide basis. Neither Johnson nor Martin prevent a jurisdiction from prohibiting lying or sleeping outside at particular times or in particular locations, obstructing the right of way or erecting certain structures, end quote. And that is what the Mizzou- proposed Missoula City Ordinance is trying to do. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Mark, what does the proposed ordinance say exactly?
2: Okay, and so this is uh, uh, this is where it comes in. Now, remember uh, the. Uh, the you know the martin and johnson decisions of the court are very are actually very narrow and really don't do much protecting of the unhoused but the so this is where the city comes in with its ordinance and it says uh, and this is a summary of the current draft ordinance and so is subject to change a person may so quote a person may only camp on city property or public right away when shelter space or other temporary housing is not available either due to space or to the person's prior history at a shelter. The following conditions to camping outdoors applies. A person may only camp outdoors on city property or public right of way between the hours of 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. Uh, after 8 a.m., they must dismantle their tent or structure and remove all personal property and camp facilities from the campsite until 8 p.m., which is a problem because where are people going to put it?
0: Exactly.
2: You know, mm-hmm. um, a person. Frenchtown, that's where the station is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, in Frenchtown. Um, also, uh, a condition a person may camp in a vehicle, camper van or motorhome or similar type of vehicle for no more than five days, after which they have to move to a different street, different name street. But no more than two vehicles may occupy the same city block. If they do, all vehicles will be in violation of the ordinance and subject to enforcement regardless of who arrived there first and when. Again, it's like, where do you go? Um, yeah. And also, it also punishes people uh, for doing the right thing, but, uh, but others aren't doing the right thing, right? So, yeah. so it's kind of a collective punishment.
4: It's, it's, it's kind of funny how they stated that the, no more than two vehicles, because I personally have four. Oh my my god. God. Yeah, I have I have I have a car, a pickup, I have a flatbed trailer that I converted into a bedroom slash storage area. And then I also have a um a pop-up camper, a small little pop-up camper that has slide out beds. So um, you know, I can but I primarily use that thing for storage just because it's not very, you know, it's it's too drafty and you know, I don't I don't sleep in it or nothing of that nature. It's more or less for storage. So in that kind of t- context, what they're looking, what you're looking at right there, somebody like me, I'd have to put my stuff all over Missoula Valley. You know, I mean, it's, 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 uh, I read some mm. of this stuff and it's almost as if they've been studying my activity and try to deter me. It's really odd. I mean, it's, yep. it's, I don't know what's going on, but, um, cause I've been homeless out here for about coming on four years when I started I had just my pickup and I had some bedding in the back of my pickup and then I had some clothes, but over the years of being out here, I've, I build my life up. I got a, I got a trailer. I've got, you know, a flatbed trailer that, that was a initially for a car, you know, car trailer. Um, mm-hmm. and I put walls on that and turn that into a little storage and, you know, someplace where I can stay and sleep where I don't have to keep tearing down a tent all day long, you know, every right, day. right. So I have a specific spot where I can go. Um, I can keep my clothes dry. I've got work clothes. I've got clean clothes. I've got, um, you know, uh, food, you know, just the average everyday things that I need. Plus, since I do handyman work, I also have tools. Ah. Now, I can't necessarily just go around and and disperse that stuff all over town or around different blocks because that's not efficient. You know, Mm -hmm. I try to make set my life up. Me personally, I try to set my life up where I can be that go to guy. Somebody needs help with this. Somebody needs help with that. I've got the tools. I've got the know-how. I've got, you know, something, you know, I'm changing somebody's oil and I get oil all over my clothes. I know where I can go and change right away. I don't have to wait for the building to open up. I don't have to wait until six o'clock in the afternoon to go in and change my clothes. You know, if I'm out in the rain, you know, I can change my clothes right away. You know, it's, 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 that's, that's how I try to live. You know, I try to live no different than anybody else. It's just that I don't mm-hmm. have an apartment or a house or a home or anything to that nature. So sure. this, these kind of ordinance are going to be nothing but a burden on me consistently on a daily basis. Right. And I don't know about you guys, but if you're homeless, you should probably have a lot more less stress in your life, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, you really uh, yeah that would help, yeah.
1: right. <laughs> To, to say, say the least, yeah. right? Yeah. To you say know. the least. <laughs> well, I, uh, I wonder that's the the majority opinion here. As
2: this, yeah, uh, I, yes,
0: yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to interject and ask: sure. is um, is there a history in this community about how a homeless people? or what would be called vagrants or transients or Uh most recently, the unhoused get treated. And I'll offer uh, anecdotal evidence that maybe there's a tradition here because I helped my parents move from the Chicago area when my father retired and the everything was taken care of from an extremely comfortable home They sold it to somebody that had a chair on the Chicago board of trade. So, you know, they weren't living in a trailer camp and they moved to Missoula and decided, well, we're just going to sleep in our camper van at the at the KOA. And that's where we're going to live. And they couldn't do that for as long as they had planned because they were told by, I imagine the city or the county or maybe the campground itself that, you know, you can't live here. This is a campground, and you're staying here a long time. Yeah. So I thought it was I. I was surprised by that.
2: There, there's been it's been sort of off and on. Um, I, I've been in this town for 40 plus years. Oh, okay. So and, and, you would know. Um, the, it, it 40 years ago, it was uh, the city council tried really hard to limit panhandling. Right. Oh. And and that and and I I I spoke out against that at the city council meeting and uh and it was they ran into a lot of problems with that right it's it's this mm-hmm. sort of this attitude of let's let's make it invisible right let's make gotcha. let's make unhoused you know poverty and poverty invisible the more we can make it invisible and sweep it under the rug because I think this is. I think that's what this is all about, right? And and trying to meet some, you know, some Ninth Circuit uh, decision, which actually, from what I'm learning from uh, a couple of other attorneys, is that the U.S. Supreme Court will probably overturn Martin v. Boise and Johnson versus Grants Pass anyway, right? So so then it's like the Wild West again, right? The city can do pretty much what it damn well pleases, but in their proposal, this is, I mean, this becomes almost like a Rube Goldberg type of, if maybe younger people don't remember Rube Goldberg, but he he was an artist and he would draw these very elaborate kinds of things to like uh, machines that would uh, be very complicated to do a very simple thing like Like uh, uh, cool off a cup of tea, right? You know, (laughs) and so, and so they're usually pretty funny, right? The Rube Goldberg, but in this case, it's not so funny. It's just going, you know, the extent that they go with this. And as our theme, our theme of this show is dehumanization, right? That regardless of what the courts uh, are going to say or not say, this is dehumanization. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Tully here is uh, doesn't have a, uh, uh, you know, what, what is he going to do? Right. What, what are other unhoused people going to do with this? And so one of the things they talk about, one of the prohibitions is that, no, <clears throat> get this, it's kind of a list. Prohibitions, yeah. no one can camp or park within a 100 feet of a residential home with 100 feet of a, the entrance to a business or a nonprofit, right. within 300 feet of any school or daycare, within 1,000 feet of any shelter, within 600 feet of safe parking sites or sanctioned approved camping locations within parks and conservation lands, or on a bike lane, public pathway or trail, blocking the use of a sidewalk. Of course, that is reasonable. Within 100 feet of the Clark Fork or Bitterroot, Rivers, rattlesnake creek, or Grant Creek, including any side channels or backwaters located within city limits. I mean, right there, there was a map done by Arthur Ensley uh, of of Western Montana DSA, and he showed that there's like the top of Mount Sentinel and, uh, you know, a few of these, uh, a few other places that are really unreasonable. There's really actually no, it, it effectively says there is no place to camp in the city of Missoula, but they, you know, they they have this big list of things to make it sound like that, that they're not doing a citywide ban, which is of course banned by the, by the Johnson versus uh, Grants Pass ordinance. Um, It also says requirements anyone camping must leave entrances to businesses and private property unobstructed that's reasonable I don't there's no disagreement there. Um, Keep public property clean sanitary and safe and properly dispose of all garbage debris unsanitary or unsanitary or hazardous materials sewage drug paraphernalia syringes or other evidence of quote conspicuous drug use. So again. You know, this is without providing those services, without providing garbage or bathroom services. Right. Uh, How are people supposed to do that?
4: Plus, ultimately, nobody can be going to be able to camp in town anyway. So why even put that? Yeah. Anywhere. Right. Right. Because we won't be. I mean, if nobody's going to be able to camp in town, why even put those kind of standards up? Because they're not going to be there. Right. Nobody's going to be making messes because they're all going to be out.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, well, they may they may be looking at a court may sort of uh, invalidate some of this i hope right? so i mean i don't but, i've been
4: i don't have too much trust in the judiciary around in this in this community yeah, i, <laughs> I
2: I'm, I'm i'm thinking that uh, the well and it would be the ninth circuit or the u.s supreme court yeah and i i don't think we have much trust in the u.s supreme court at this point um on this show anyway <laughs> um so so it goes on and on i mean um if you're camping on a paved street, you're required to be camping inside and camp. They use the word camping, which is yeah. like, that's a recreational thing, yeah, right? For, of enjoyment.
4: You know, yes.
2: Yeah. One, one of the, one of the unhoused members of, of the unhoused uh, neighbors union, um, uh, Brad Carlson says, no, 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 that's not camping. This is an emergency survival. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's a lot more uh, to the point, but anyway, um you have to have a hard-sided vehicle it it has to be movable you can't you know excavate terrace soil cut vegetation or trees or anything uh, along with that and uh, you are not to start a fire or maintain any fire to burn any combustible material except for portable camp stoves and then they have like a list of things of what kind of camp stoves you can use Um, so all of this they must
1: have spent a lot of time on this.
2: Well, right? they still are. This is just a draft. And um, what we've heard kind of in the by and by is that the city is running into ethical and legal issues with this already. Uh, but, um, you know, there. this is purely to uh, tailored to not really solve and, and begin to solve the unhoused problem. It's really to comply with the law so they can disperse and remove and make invisible the poverty that's increasing in Missoula. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. what it is. Uh,
4: What they need to be doing is stop doing this and start coming up with remedies and places for people to go.
2: Exactly. Stop
4: creating deterrence and harm and burdens on people and start creating remedies. Right. That's what they need to start doing.
1: And some affordable housing.
4: Yeah. yeah. You know, in the best
1: way, you know, uh, get some affordable housing going here it, if you it, can't it, do that it, then leave spaces for people who have to live there
2: right yeah. right and and in let la- in our last show interviewed uh Kristen jordan who's city councilor mm-hmm. and she has uh she has an ordinance that would do exactly what tully said right is at on an emergency type of basis that there would be places where people can camp for an extended period of time that is more is much more humane than this garbage. Yeah, um, and uh, but she she feels like you know unless there's uh, the elections elections matter in this case. Yeah. Um. If uh, uh, uh if if uh, Andrea Davis uh, gets elected as mayor of Missoula, that she would um, really help push that ordinance. Um. She's got public statements from Andrea Davis. Uh, to do that. So um, uh, now there's also a problem in the enforcement. So what they're what they're going to say, and this is the last part of the uh, the, the, the uh, proposed ordinance, is that for a first violation, a written warning will be issued. It must be issued within 24 hours. Second or subsequent violations after a written warning may be enforced as a municipal infraction under Chapter 12.01 of the Missoula Municipal Code. If the city or private party incurs costs to clean the area around an individual's campground due to violations of the ordinance requirements, those costs may be imposed as restitution. Uh, and then we've, uh, which means that your people, uh, unhoused people are going to be uh, uh, billed by the city, you know, for the failure of the city to provide services. Mm-hmm. Um now removal. This has also been a problem. In our last show, we interviewed two people from the uh, from what was called the Bob Words camp, uh, who had had their stuff just taken by the city, right, and put in a dumpster and drove away. Um, this and uh, the city. So this proposed ordinance says the city can remove an individual's campsite tent, vehicle, property, or item due to unsanitary or unsafe conditions or to violations of this ordinance by posting a 72-hour notice. After 72 hours, any property remaining will be considered abandoned and subject to disposal. No notice is required to remove something determined to pose an imminent risk to public health or safety. The city can remove any camp facility violating the specific distance restrictions from identified locations after posting a 24-hour notice on or near the camp facility after 24 hours any property remaining that would include tully's tools for instance uh, will be considered abandoned and subject to disposal no notice is required if the camp facility is impeding or obstructing traffic or pose an imminent risk to public health or safety if a vehicle this is the last part if a vehicle is towed and or impounded by the city there won't be any fees for the towing or impoundment However, any cost for the city to clean up public or private property surrounding the towed vehicle must be paid before the vehicle is released. And that's yeah, the proposal. So, what happens? Yes. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah,
0: I offer that using the term camping is patronizing and it's kind of like sharing a boundary with being dehumanizing.
2: Yes, I would. You um,
0: it, it. Uh, it reminds me of Marie Antoinette saying, oh, no bread. Well, there's always cake
2: yeah (laughs) right
0: (laughs) we're just camping this is recreation yeah you know we we get tired of living in our in our suburban neighborhood and the usual routine of all the electronic amusements we have and um just get back to nature and that's what those unhoused people are doing communing with nature living living the good simple life Thoreau would be impressed sure so
1: what? Yeah, Thoreau took his laundry home to his mother. Oh, <laughs> I,
0: thank you, <laughs> Linda. I I thought I was running a little long, but that, I you know? I wanted to mention that too. Yeah, mom was yeah, only a yeah. mile or two away. <laughs> um, yeah. So,
1: you now, what I would like to know is what happens if a person who has been found in violation of these um uh, of these rules is given a fine, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: There can be fines and fees related to this. They they would say
2: cleanup fees. Okay. What if
1: the cleanup, what if the, so there's no fee involved if they just take your stuff away and they don't have to clean up. I mean, my question is, are people going to, is there going to be a further, um, Consequence, as there is, if you have a court fee, right, and you can't pay it, and you're stopped by a cop or whatever, and you can go to jail and sit in jail for non-payment of fees.
2: Well, so, is that going so to happen with this, or yeah, no, that's that's unconstitutional. Uh, debt, a debtor's prison, right? That that if you can't but pay a fee. Sit here,
1: People sit there all the time because they can't make bail.
2: Bail, right? But that's a, but mm-hmm. that's different. That's different than a fee to clean something up, right? And so, is let, it? so yes. what? This so I don't know. Maybe the city would garnish wages. Who knows what what they're going to do? But I think that's a really important question. And I think it it sort of, um, fr- frankly, I think this whole legal stuff. I think the Martin versus Boise court decision is going to fall and it's going to be you know it's just going to be a blanket ban and um and and this ordinance is going to be irrelevant right they're just going to do something worse than this probably but um mm. i have seen i have seen myself four different sweeps it's collective punishment also uh as a as a matter of fact which is also illegal but that doesn't stop them um, mm-hmm. but if I, I think what it does is this could set up an uh an idea where if people refuse to move, refuse to pay, the city isn't gonna have much uh recourse.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think this is this is a discussion that's happening with the unhoused right. neighbors union as well. Is like, okay, well, if you're gonna make it impossible for us to comply and to live a life. Well then, we're just going to refuse to obey your orders, and right. I think the city is very, very, very afraid of something like that. See, one right. of the
4: things I've I've also noticed being out here is that um, that the the idea behind the the fines and 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 charges for cleanup, there are people out here who will just make a mess. Absolutely. But many of them already have mental issues. They already have. They 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 go out and they'll hoard. They'll go down and get food, and they they've got. It will be a mess, you know. i I've seen a lot of a lot of stuff like that, and so that kind of thing um, I can kind of agree with because if not, then uh, you'll you'll have. Uh, I went to one camp one time, and they had um, almost forty pounds of bacon. That they had gone down to the uh, food bank bank and they got all this bacon. Now, you don't need 40 pounds of bacon, even if you're, you know, feeding a whole horde of people. But they got it anyways, thinking that they were just going to make, you know, (laughs) cook a bunch of bacon and just hand it out. You know, yeah, okay, that can be that can be all right. But that's as long as you know that there's a demand for it. So. That stuff ultimately ended up rotting and they didn't get rid of it. It sat there in their camp for almost a week. I mean, there was maggots all over the thing. It's just like, all right. That on in my idea, yeah. Find that person, give them like a $35 fine. You know, we're gonna have to come in here and clean all this up. Um, if not find them, then we're gonna have uh the waste <clears throat> management people come out here and pick all this stuff up and you, uh, you you're you going to get charged for that or get an account with the waste management. People get your own personal garbage can out here at your place, pay for it and use it. And then they'll come by once a week and pick it up and throw, throw the stuff away. You know, that's what I, I'm, I'm ultimately going to be planning on doing that. If I can find a place where I can put my own camp up and put my own, I'll put all my stuff in everything. I'll be contracting. I'll, I'll set up a, an account with, with the, with, with Republic and have them have my own garbage out there. I'll get my own, um, water through, um, Culligan. I'll have my own water dispenser out there, you know, mm-hmm. I'll try to have my own thing going on, paying with it, with my own money, not asking the city for any, any assistance or anything to that nature. Cause I can achieve that. I can excel and go outside of the boundaries of being homeless. You know, I can, I can do that on my own. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of people who can't or don't want to. Right. And yeah, they, they, there, there are certain standards that they should under, they, they should live by too. Yep. You know, and don't, if they have
1: mental health problems, if they have mental health issues, then that just kicks the can back another step, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They, like they shouldn't goes. even be out here. Right. Right. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. They yeah. And
1: not get mental health care.
2: Yeah. yeah. You are listening to KFGM 101.5 FM, Frenchtown, full-powered Missoula Community Radio, live-streaming also on 1015kfgm.org.
5: Never say that you have reached the very end. And skies a bitter future may portend. For sure the hour for which we end will yet arrive. And our marching steps will thunder, we survive. For sure the hour for which we end will yet arrive. And our marching steps will thunder, we survive. Not red but blood inscribed this bitter song we sing. Tis not a caroling of birds upon the wing But twas a people midst the crashing fires of hell That sang this song and fought courageous till it fell But twas a people midst the crashing fires of hell That sang this song and fought courageous till it fell Sag nicht, mal, als du gehst dem letzten Wege, wenn Himmlen blei eine Verstellenblei täge, weil kommen wetten noch unser äuß gepinter Schau, und Svetter Peuchton und unser trat mir seinen Da weil kommen wetten noch unser äuß gepinter Schau, und Svetter Peuchton und unser trat mir seinen Da Das Lied mit Bluten, nicht mit Blei. Es ist nicht ein Lied von Sommerfeugl auf der Freie. Das Hot of zwischen Fallen, die gewähnt. Das Lied gesungen mit Nagammes in die Händ. Das Hot of zwischen Fallen, die gewähnt. Das Lied gesungen mit Nagammes in die Händ.
2: That was Zatnit Kenyumal, or Song of the Warsaw Ghetto, uh, sung by Paul Robeson. And it is about the inspiring courage of the Jews in Warsaw resisting, violently resisting, uh, genocide by the Nazis. was Fida'i, the National Anthem of the State of Palestine. So uh, what's your name? Rita Jenkowska Bradley. All right. Uh, good to talk with you, Rita. And I know you, so that's why I came over. Um, tell us, tell our listeners why you are here today.
6: I'm here to support peace, uh, peace in the world. But right now, uh, I'm here for the Palestinians but I'm also here for my Jewish friends, who would never want this atrocities to happen. So I'm here because I'm promoting peace. I am carrying a banner that originated in Butte with the taking action for peaceful solutions during the first Gulf War. And it says, peace, and it has peace cranes flying, and uh... That's very nice. Yes. yes. Yes, so I'm just really here to say no more war, uh, no more killing. It's a terrible legacy to leave our children. Uh, We have to change in this world or else uh, there will be no world left. And my children during the first Gulf War, they talked about even not only does it the atrocities to the people and the children, but all the land as well. And that is a tragedy.
2: Yes, yes. and And you've been following this issue for quite a while, I know um, I mean what what would you like to see i mean what what do you see as maybe the roots of this war in Palestine, or what would you like to see happen to as a solution?
6: Well, it would be nice if people could learn to live in harmony and honor each other <laughs> Excuse me that's one thing I really would hope for. Uh, But I also would hope that some of the world leaders that keep sending weapons would just back off uh, because they're escalating this war. And that is terrible because uh, then the blood is on our hands.
2: Yes, absolutely. And um, what do you say to people who uh, would say, well, if you're defending Palestinians and their rights, that you're supporting Hamas?
6: No. No no I am supporting the people the people that have been trying to live a peaceful life for years and they've had their olive groves destroyed their houses destroyed their children killed Uh, it's a very sad thing and now they're facing really genocide or obliteration and uh, the world the UN has called this more it's more like genocide it's um It's a war crime what's happening all the terror that's going on and especially that we're trying to evacuate so many people where they have no place to go all the borders are closed so i hate to think what's going to happen and it's the tragedy is on both sides but um but it's the palestinian people that always seem to be ignored and they're good people just like there's a lot of good jewish people That are also standing up for the palestinians their brothers and sisters thank you rita thank you mark
7: dealt a humiliating blow to their occupier they retook palestinian villages for the first time since 1948. they bulldozed the outposts and walls that kept them in prison and they captured a senior Israeli general in his underwear. <laughs> they imposed on Israel the inevitable and terrible cause of occupation. And for that, we in the West could not forgive them. Our news networks called them savages. Our politicians tripped over themselves to condemn them. And our lying president passed on a vicious libel about rape and beheading. And then the bombs came. With this country's help, Israel dropped more bombs on Gaza than the United States dropped in Afghanistan in a year. Shame. Shame. They deployed white phosphorus, an illegal incendiary weapon, against a children's hospital. Shame. Shame.
3: Shame.
7: And they leveled block after block of the world's most densely populated place. Killing family after family, killing fathers and mothers, grandparents, painters, poets, and as of this morning, 724 children. Shame. 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 Rage and despair. And the resolution I feel to keep fighting is nothing compared to what Palestinians feel. So please, everyone, do not yield. This is a long fight. You will be called an anti-Semite. You will be called a terrorist. You will be kept out of polite spaces. You may be denied jobs, especially if you are Arab or Muslim. Pro-Palestinian protests are now banned in France and in Germany. Shame. Shame. Shame! Commonly, you will be cowed into starting everything you say with, I condemn Hamas. Hamas is one faction of the Palestinian resistance. And ironically, the one Israel has supported as a wedge against left-wing groups.
8: They're culpable.
7: Hamas practices violent resistance to the occupation, a guaranteed right under international law.
8: His right to resist.
7: Palestinians support them because they fight Israel. And if Hamas is wiped out, Palestinians will support someone else. So please, do not demoralize Palestinians with your time. Do not waste your energy. It has been 75 years, the world's longest military occupation. And victory is near. Apartheid Israel will be no more, and Palestine will be free. Yeah! <laughs> hey, can everybody hear me? No.
9: Oh, no. <laughs> How about now? Yeah. Okay, so full disclosure, I am Jewish. Some of my dearest relatives live in Israel. I love them greatly and I want what's best for them. And I do not want their safety and well-being to come at the expense of Palestinian genocide. Israel has spent decades killing Palestinians on a regular basis, imprisoning them without charge or recourse, demolishing homes, preventing new ones from being built, building more and more settlements in the occupied territories, which continually erode prospects for any genuinely independent Palestinian state. The Israeli government claims that it must repeatedly attack Gaza and the West Bank to maintain its own security. Clearly, it's not working. It's not, it work. IT'S NOT WORKING, AND IT SHOULDN'T WORK. PEACE FOR ISRAELI JEWS AT THE EXPENSE OF CONTINUED OPPRESSION OF PALESTINIANS SHOULD NEVER BE ACCEPTABLE. ONE OF MY ISRAELI COUSINS WROTE ME, quote, I HAVE ALWAYS BELIEVED IN HUMANITY, BUT SINCE SATURDAY I HAVE LOST FAITH IN THE BASIC GOODNESS OF HUMANS, unquote. THIS SADDENS ME GREATLY, AS THIS COUSIN IS ONE OF THE MOST COMPASSIONATE PEOPLE I KNOW. Her response is indicative, though, of the delusions that Israel Israelis live under. Like her, most do not recognize the daily violence, indignities, and, and poverty that her government inflicts on Palestinians. They believe that Israel's actions are just. <clears throat> um, I believe that many Palestinians lost that faith in basic goodness of human beings long ago at the hands of the Israeli Defense Force. In 1948, during Israel's war of independence, the Israeli army surrounded countless Arab villages, giving their residents the option to leave immediately or to die. That sounds very similar to the threats given to the people in Gaza right now. The names of the villages were mostly changed from Arabic to Hebrew, and by today's terminology, we would call that ethnic cleansing. About 700,000 Palestinians fled Israel in 1948. Their descendants are the ones still living in the refugee camps, living in Gaza, and living in the West Bank. As of 2019, more than 5.6 million Palestinians were registered by the United Nations as refugees. Palestinians call it the Nakba, using the Arabic word for catastrophe. Arabic propag- I'm sorry, Israeli propaganda claims that the catastrophe was the existence of Israel itself. Palestinians, on the other hand, say that the catastrophe is the expulsion from Israel, From the ex- I'm sorry, the expulsion from their land. <clears throat> Reading the diaries and the letters of many Isra- of Israel's founders, like David Ben-Gurion, we can see that the expulsions were by policy. On October in October 1937, Ben Gurion wrote to one of his sons saying, quote, "We must expel Arabs and take their places. And if we have to use force, not to dispossess Arabs in the Negev or Transjordan, but to guarantee our own rights to settle in those places, then we have the force to do so at our disposal." Even earlier, Theodor Herzl, one of the founders of the Zionist movement, wrote in his um diary in 1895 we shall endeavor to expel the poor population across the border unnoticed Moshe Diane wrote you Palestinians as a nation don't want us today but we'll change your attitude by forcing our presence on you colonizers you will live like dogs and whoever will leave will leave and we will take what we want to pretend that this ethnic cleansing didn't happen when Golda Meir was, was a prime minister, she said, quote, there's no such thing as the Palestinian people. It is not as if we came and threw them out of their country. They didn't exist. Nice. This, um, there's an excellent book, <clears throat> um, I'm sorry, these quotes and events through Israel's history are too numerous to repeat right now, but you get the idea. There's an excellent book titled Gaza in Crisis by Ilan Pape and Noam Chomsky, and it's well worth reading. It covers all of this history. And with this history of violence and expulsion by Israel, why would we expect Palestinians to act towards Israel any differently than how Israel acts towards them? Yet, <clears throat> some do attempt non-violent methods. Five years ago, the people of Gaza organized the Great March of Return. Their aim was to talk back, oh, I'm sorry, their aim was to walk back to the homes that they'd been forced out of in 1948. Tens of thousands participated. They were mostly unarmed and non-violent, and never crossed the fence from Gaza into Israel. Yet, the Israeli army, on multiple occasions, fired across the border into the crowds and, according to the Jerusalem Post, killed 100 people and wounded 8,700. Just, just last February, there was a pogrom against the Palestinian virge, um, village of Huwara by West Bank settlers. The army was there, of course, but sat by and did nothing. The blockade of Gaza over the past 16 years is itself a crime against humanity. No one is allowed in or out without Israeli permission. Israel acts with complete impunity to cut off food, water, um, fuel, and electricity whenever it chooses. Some aid groups have described Gaza as an open air prison. There are so many more examples of the miseration inflicted by Israel. There are so many examples of Israel and the United States preventing peace from happening. There is not the time to present them all right now though. It's important to understand that Hamas's attacks last week did not arise in a vacuum. They were not unprovoked. If all we do is protest Israel's current genocidal plans in Gaza, then we will fail to prevent it. We read in the newspapers almost every week about new settlements, new atrocities, new violence, new starvation, more Israeli bombings and shootings, and we turn the page. We sometimes hear of violent Palestinian responses and we are subject to demagogues equating Palestinians with violence but not the Israeli government. We must protest Israel's actions every single time they happen. We must end the occupation. As Americans, we have the responsibility to force our government to stop sending weapons to Israel, to stop supporting genocide. I believe that those of us who were Jewish have an extra responsibility in this regard. The government of Israel claims that the violence it inflicts is on our behalf. And lobbying groups like AIPAC make American politicians believe that they they have to pander to us by giving Israel unconditional support. We have to make it clear that we do not support Israel's murderous policies. And we don't like being pandered to either. Make it clear that this support, that we support solidarity with both Palestinians and Israeli people and their, for their suffering and for their loss. We do not support solidarity with political entities that supposedly represent them. We want an end to the occupation and an end to the American military support for Israel. Thank you. Pre-Palestine.
10: <laughs> palestine.
9: palestine Oh, wait on oh. hey, just uh, one more thing. Brendan, wherever he is, is passing around a sign-up for a mailing list to be on the um, Montanans for uh, Palestine. So please sign up with him if you would like. Thank you. Speak up, Max. Hello. Kiss the microphone.
10: Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for coming and standing in support and in solidarity with the Palestinian people who are being so unjustly brutalized. I am not a Palestinian, and therefore I cannot know the depths of the pain and horror that they feel right now in Gaza and around the world. But I am a Jewish person. And though I do not speak for all Jews, I feel that it is my responsibility as a Jew to provide my own perspective. This week, terrible violence has unfolded inside the borders of a nation state that calls itself the home and the protector of all Jews. And it is that nation state that has been responsible for the vast majority of violence against civilians this week and throughout the history of this conflict. That nation state, the state of Israel, claims that it carries out this violence to defend Jews and to defeat anti-Semitism, and Israel and its allies accuse those voices who oppose their violence of being anti-Semites. I know the danger and power of anti-Semitism. I know it in my family. My ancestors lived in Kiev for centuries. In the late 19th century, anti Semitic pogroms organized by officials of the Russian Tsar wrecked the city of Kiev. Lynch mobs murdered dozens of Jews and raped hundreds more, and so my family fled to America. Almost exactly 60 years later, in September 1941, the Jewish population of Kiev was marched to a ravine on the outskirts of the city, ordered to strip naked, lie face down in trenches. And then they were shot one by one before the next group of Jews were forced to lie down on the corpses where where they too were shot. Over the next two years, the Nazi occupiers and their collaborators among the Ukrainians killed over 100,000 people at that ravine, Babi Yar. In 1944, my grandmother was born in Brooklyn, but three years earlier, so many of her cousins who had not fled had been killed in that ravine. When my grandmother was a little girl, she had dinner at the house of a German friend. And this friend's parents asked my grandmother where her horns were. And so it was in this context, the fear and confusion of a child who wanted to fit in that my family Drifted away from active practice of Judaism. This too is anti Semitism, the destruction of Jewish culture via the pressure of assimilation instead of the destruction of the gas chamber. I feel a great shame that I am not a better Jew, but I know it is not my grandmother's fault, but the fault of the bullies who forced her to renounce her heritage to gain their acceptance. I know what anti Semitism is. Centuries of anti-Semitism have very directly shaped who I am today, an American, a secular Jew, a descendant of survivors. So understand that I speak from a place of deep, personal, inextricable knowledge when I say that the opponents of anti-Semitism, the opponents of the crimes and hatred against the Jewish people must stand up now against Israel's oppression of Palestine. The Jewish faith and culture is thousands of years old. In this way, it is among the oldest continually existing cultures in the world. And never in all that time did that culture depend on the nation state of Israel. Never did it depend on throwing people from their homes. Never did it depend on putting people in concentration camps. Never did it depend on indiscriminately slaughtering innocents. And it still does not now.
4: Stop, stop here, please, sir.
10: These same people who call us anti-Semites for opposing Israel's right to bomb trapped and desperate civilians, most of whom are not Jews themselves, also make excuses for neo-Nazi groups in Ukraine. The same Ukrainian nationalist militia that stood guard at Babin Yar as Jews were butchered, as my family was butchered, now receives American weapons and funding. In the coming weeks, the president will ask Congress to fund Ukrainian neo-Nazis and Israel's slaughter at the same time in the same bill. This cannot make the world safer for Jews or anyone. It is the Talmud that teaches us that anyone who has compassion for God's creatures will receive compassion from heaven. And anyone who does not have compassion for God's creatures will not receive compassion from heaven. How then can we allow our government, our elected representatives to arm and condone the murder of the people of Palestine? How can we inflict the cruelty of barbed wire-topped fences, the cruelty of forcing people from their homeland of hundreds or thousands of years, the cruelty of bombs dropped on apartment buildings in the name of people who suffered and died under those same conditions? The lesson that we must learn from the Holocaust is not that Jewish life is more precious or more important than all other life. It is that people are capable of unspeakable horror once a target population has been dehumanized and vilified by propaganda. Difficult as it may be at a moment when so many are under the spell of war fervor and bloodlust, we have a duty to mourn the innocents who have perished and demand that no more be senselessly killed. And yes, That includes the Israeli civilians who have been killed in this conflict. But we must not forget that it is only Israel that can end the bloodshed. And Israel's failure to do so is why so many Israelis have lost their lives. When Hitler drew up his plans to invade Eastern Europe and purge it of Jews, he looked for inspiration to the example of American colonialism and the genocide of indigenous people on this continent. When the Israeli military develops its strategies for the repression of Palestine, its leaders openly claim to draw inspiration from Nazi tactics to repress the Warsaw Uprising. As Missoula celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day this week, the violence that happened here, on this land, to the Salish and Kalispe people, still continues halfway around the world. In the name of all oppressed peoples, we must not be silent about the genocide of our Palestinian sisters, brothers, and siblings. Daza yeah. 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 <clears throat> is seven miles wide and 25 miles long, and it has 2.2 million people. Half of them are children. When they marched peacefully for their liberation, Israel shot them. When they elected secular leaders of their struggle, Israel assassinated them. And now that they have resorted to violence with no other options left, Israel seeks to exterminate them. Do not allow Jewish victims of hatred and genocide to be used to justify Palestinian hatred and genocide. To inflict suffering on innocents in the name of innocents who suffered desecrates their memory. For the millions of civilians in Gaza, for the thousands of people on dialysis machines, for the hundreds of infants in incubators, for the children The poor, sweet children who have never breathed a free breath in their lives, who yearn only to live without fear and carnage, do not allow American bombs to carry out a Palestinian Holocaust. Demand that the occupation end and that from the river to the sea, Palestine is made free. Thank you all for coming. We are gonna uh, ask that people sort of stick around and continue talking with us, um, where we can sort of discuss more concrete ways that we can get involved and take action in support of Palestine and organize to end the American support for the bombing. Um, And uh, we're gonna have sort of small group discussions. um, So please, um, I don't know, Brendan, if you wanna sort of uh, Thank you to Max, thank you to Robbie,
7: and thank you everyone again for coming out. I will be here until three. Um, I have my email list here for Montanans in solidarity with Palestine. Please come find me if I have not uh, come to you. I am open right now to a discussion of action items. I have the phone number for our representatives. I have some donation uh, you know, resources, the Palestinian Red Cross, Red Crescent, um, mental health uh, in Gaza. Other resources. Um, I really want to keep this going, but again, we, we should also consider the Missoulians out there. They need our support. They need to understand the truth of this, and so let's keep this uh, demonstration going. Thank you so much for coming.
8: <laughs> and they're criminalizing anyone who supports BDS. So when they say that That's the only... Me. <laughs> That's my job! Please! <laughs> when they say the only valid support uh, for Palestine is non-violent, ask them yeah. why they're trying to drive anyone who supports BDS, a non-violent movement, out of public life. It's not about yeah. violence. Anyway, should I explain my sign?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes!
8: John Tester is the subcommittee of Homeland Defense in the United States Senate. He is also the number one recipient of military contractor contributions. I say this not as a leftist, but as someone who used to work in John Tester's office. And I used to check people in at the front, and every single day it was another missile manufacturer. And all of this is happening on your behalf. So when you're like, this is a conflict far away that has nothing to do with me, you're wrong. It has a lot to do with you, and your elected representatives are responsible for it.
5: Yeah. What,
7: what kind of legislation is coming up that we
8: can, uh, you know, help defeat? or? Uh, they're going to pass some ludicrous funding. Yeah. They're going to yeah. pass it. Okay. And anyone who dares votes against it is going to be called an anti-Semite. And it's disappointing. Um, I don't know. No if anyone Michael has Max any... About- your job as an American is to oppose war. You have no other job. There is no good American war. Oh <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Woo! The number two. I don't. Anyway, I'm going to step down Uh, now. (laughs) Thank you, Paul.
7: Um, In in case anyone doesn't know what BDS stands for, it's Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions. It is a call put up by uh, the Palestinian, uh, P-A-C-B-I, the Palestinian, oh boy, uh, don't know what it stands for, Palestinians, Uh, in 2005, to basically recreate the type of campaigns that were directed against apartheid South Africa in the 1980s to uh, divest... The you know mutual funds of the the companies we work for and boycott the the products as well as the um, institutions of Israel. Um, uh, what was the other one? Boycott, investment and Sancti- sanction, and eventually to sanction the state and force it in the same way that apartheid South Africa was forced to, you know, eliminate all avenues of oppression against Palestinians, which will eventually result in. Palestinians being, you know, allowed to return to their homes and the end of apartheid Israel. Of course, that is why it's called anti-Semitic. BDS is non-violent direct action that we all must support and can do locally as well as nationally. Um, Again, I'd love to hear any sort of discussion of local BDS action we can take. Um, If anyone knows uh, of a firm or a company that uh, we can create a campaign uh, of, of direct action against, please shout it out. Um, Caterpillar provides the bulldozers that bulldoze Palestinian homes. Yeah. And they have a business on reserve. Okay. Uh, uh, you want, do you mind if I just yeah, pass that on? Uh, Caterpillar, uh, they they make the bulldozers um, that uh, destroy Palestinian homes and that Palestinians just hijacked to knock down Erez checkpoint in Gaza. Yeah! <laughs> Um, but their their facility is on reserve. They're, what is it? A like a plant? I'm not sure. It's
8: like a store.
7: If you're doing any sort of construction or remodeling, I urge you do not use Caterpillar, uh, you know, vehicles. Um, anyone else? We'll buy Sabra. Yeah. Sabra hummus. Thank you. Yes. Um, this is well known, um, but maybe not. Uh, Sabra is the hummus, uh, the, whatever they're called, maker. Um, of the IDF, of, of or the IOF, or the the IDF Occupation Army. The scout cookies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They do not buy Sabra hummus. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah, what else? Did they
9: name Sabra hummus after the Sabra and Shantila massacre?
5: No, no. Because that would
9: be awful to the would
7: be, But I don't think that's no, right. yeah. <laughs> be. Pretty far the course Other legitimate BDS targets that you want to start, uh, set a word about?
8: The Democratic Party, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
5: legitimate,
8: legitimate, legitimate target. Thank you. Yeah, Biden lies. People die. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a joke. Um, okay, uh, I, I
7: think we should maybe make some angry calls now, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you'd like to. We um, just. SodaStream. Oh, Thank you. No. Yeah, don't buy a SodaStream. <laughs> BetterHelp is. is
2: offering free therapy to
7: IDF members. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck BetterHelp! Do yeah, not do that online speak therapy shit. On Sh- on
9: oh, I don't...
8: What's <laughs> somebody? I don't know <laughs> very okay. much. I, I heard BetterHelp was started online yeah. therapy. Is, it was started by an IDF soldier, and it's currently offering free therapy for those who are troubled by the Israel-Palestine conflict, but... uh.
9: Well, specifically to IDF soldiers. Yeah. They're offering yeah. free therapy, too, right
8: now.
7: Get your therapy no. elsewhere.
8: Yeah. Not BetterHelp. Yeah, that, too. Yeah. Anyone, Anyone else? Ben & Jerry's?
7: Ben & Jerry's. Yeah. That's right. Are they still on right. the BDS list I, I don't happy? know. They're,
8: not, They're not on the list anymore. <laughs> anymore.
7: Thank you. Yeah. You can have Ben & Jerry's.
6: <laughs> ben & Jerry's is safe.
7: Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. We as consumers have pretty limited action in what we can buy and not buy. Um, but again, as a, as a community, as a group, we can make a big impact. Um, I'm, I, maybe let's open the floor to how to have these conversations with our coworkers and our family and our friends. Yeah. If anyone has any stories um, or, or strategies, um, we need to become a mass movement. Yeah. Uh, we are, you know, we are from the ground up. We are the we are the the people who are not going to. You're not going to hear this message from our elected representatives, as you know. You're not going to hear it from uh, CEOs or, you know. Any, any sort of major institution, you're just not going to hear this. The Zionist ideology goes up. It filters up with power and with money. That's where you're going to find most people opposed to us. People without power, we need to be able to have these conversations and create a mass movement. So please, if you have a story or a strategy, love uh, to hear it. Story. Yeah. Yeah, you
8: do. Yeah. yeah, in 2018, during the Standing Rock occupation and protest to oppose the Keystone XL pipeline, Steve Bullock, Governor of Montana, coordinated with Republican Attorney General Tim Fox and the Trump Department of Homeland Security to extrajudicially monitor indigenous activists. They also uh, used chemical applicants to deter them from camping there that still result in long-standing health complications for people who protested against Standing Rock. These are the same tactics the Israelis use. They got it from us, we get it from them now. It's a connection of this military surveillance state that tries to clamp down on the left. You have an obligation to oppose it.
7: Sanders, yes, to Amen. stop supporting
1: Israel.
10: Yeah, I hate yeah. to say it, you know, yeah. it was maybe the great hope for politics. But, you know,
7: yeah, media uh, Benjamin was there, occupying his office, and uh, just this last week, and there was a surprise guest. If you want to check that out, it was very bizarre.
1: Yeah.
11: elected officials i walked around to a bunch of you guys gave you a link to call your representatives every minute counts on these phone calls as we know everyone in gaza has lost electricity they cannot get messages out to us anymore and we can't get messages into them but we can call our representatives and call for a ceasefire a de-escalation those are the big words and that link that i gave out to a bunch of you it will have the script there for you, and if you want me to text you that link, come get me. I will text it to you. But we need to be calling every day, every minute matters for the people of Gaza. So let me know if you have any questions about that. Can I get the information? Yeah. Yes. Like yes. Yeah.
3: Okay,
2: so you. T- Tell, tell us your name and uh, what's your role in, in this rally.
7: Happily. My name is Brendan Work, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, Work, W-R-K. Um, I am the organizer for Montanans in solidarity with Palestine.
2: All right. And how did you feel that uh, how this event went?
7: I was pleased with the turnout. I think we had about 100 people. It was heartening to see that Missoulians love Palestinians because they Correctly see their struggle as right and just. Um, it was encouraging to see different uh, modes of action and strategies uh, discussed. It was. Um,
2: it was a good day. You know. All right. In in the midst of some bad times.
7: Yeah. yeah. It, exactly. It is a. It is a feature of the struggle to. Take your positive emotions and your passion and your um, feeling of solidarity and try not to lose it
2: watching what's happening
7: to uh, other humans.
2: Now, um, I've interviewed you in the past, a nice long interview, but real briefly, how did you come about to be involved in this, this kind of support work and struggle?
7: I went to Palestine and worked as a journalist a little over 10 years ago and became familiar with the Palestinian struggle through Palestinians themselves. I returned after a a, a little over a year and a half and was discouraged and even astonished to find that the people I considered my teachers, my mentors, people with good hearts, reason, they considered Palestinians an exception to their... Humanity. Um, the discussions I had with people I respected and still respect and love um, indicated a, a cowardice, um, a disapproval, and a real blindness about uh, <laughs> about history. Um, um, and about the legitimacy of struggle. Uh, you know, people who look back at apartheid South Africa and might have joined the campaign late or might have never joined the campaign, people who um, fought in the civil rights struggle here in the United States or, uh, you know, protested the Vietnam War. They're, in, in many cases, I, I found that they're, feeling toward Palestinians was degraded um, that frustrated me and put me in the mind of a um, an unjust world you know it, yeah. it, it, it made me feel that the
2: why, why do you think that is because um, I knew this young man a long time ago came visiting to Montana and uh, he grew up in the in a kibbutz and which is very uh, communal. And uh, and he he basically was a socialist. He was very left-wing. But then, you know, it shocked me when he started talking about the Palestinians and he called them dogs. And, and he wouldn't back off of that. I mean, what... I don't know. Where, where does that come from? Or what part do you think that that comes from?
7: Palestinians remind us of native dispossession in the United States and they their existence and their sumud, their determination to stay on their land frustrates what I think is an easy answer to holocaust guilt I think many people from the generation that saw the holocaust and could not stop it perhaps felt that the best way to excise that guilt to absolve themselves and to feel good uh, was to enact uh, dispossession against another people Um, and I think the refusal of Palestinians to be complicit in that and to in fact resist it uh, violently um, it, it, it hurts Western observers on an emotional level because they want to be absolved of their Holocaust guilt and they want to feel that they are living in a just world and, and, and are on the right side. Um, they're not. <laughs> they're, uh, as, you know, as people, we have to feel good about who we are in the states and the communities that we're a part of, but American complicity in Palestinian dispossession is deep and long-lasting. And it sucks to be reminded of that. People hurt to know that they are contributing to the destruction of a culture um, and, the, and, the, and the dehumanization of a people. People just, I mean, I understand.
2: People don't want to know about it. It's uh, inconvenient. Well, um, any, any last words you want to leave? Well, and before you go there... Um, you're uh, going to be having something here every Saturday?
7: I hope to do uh, weekly rallies. Um, at, at the county courthouse? Here at the courthouse, that's great. Uh, what I would like to say otherwise, uh, I think that here in the Palestine Solidarity Movement and in left spaces in general, people do get hung up on the optics battle and they worry about how they can convince their racist uncle to use a, uh, a stereotype. Um, People think a little too much about having the right opinion and maximizing their persuasive potential. What I would remind them is that Palestine will be free regardless. Apartheid colonies do not last. South Africa, Algeria, Vietnam, we're all free. Um, It takes long years of struggle, but that we don't need to get bogged down in condemnations we don't need to worry about uh, you know with exceptions obviously like I said people sometimes lose their jobs and people need to be careful around uh, institutions wielding a lot of power you know that that I think is an important exception but for a certain class of uh, Palestine Palestine supporter uh, I guess I would say um, stick with it and don't worry that you will be uh, yelled at, harmed, psychologically. Um, uh, You know, don't let up. Don't give up. Thank you. Yeah, for sure.
2: Okay. All right. Tell us your name, please.
11: Holly Thompson.
2: Holly, um, why are you here today?
11: Well, I I feel we need to strongly... Uh, support all of the innocent civilians on both sides in this. It's not a both-sides-ism to say that there's a lot of innocent people being trapped. We need to find, we're smart, we should be able to find a way to uh, punish Hamas without punishing all of the close to two million innocent civilians that are in Palestine. Have you been following this issue for very long? Sure. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an ongoing issue, that you can take shots at both sides, but the problem is that we're not focusing on the people that are paying the price right now, which is people who did not create the violence. Right,
2: and uh, what do you say to people that you're, um, by coming here today maybe, or by showing concern for Palestinian children as well as Israeli children? Um, that that's just supporting Hamas.
11: That's ridiculous. Um, If you read my sign, it says, don't punish children for the violence of adults. That's how I feel. This is not going to support Hamas at all, but we need to speak up and speak against violence against innocent people. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.
3: Thank you all
7: for coming out to support Palestine! My name is Brendan Work. I'm a member of Montanans in solidarity with Palestine. I'm going to come around now, and if you would like to join our mailing list, pick up your email, okay? We're going to start speeches in 15 minutes, and then hang around, I'll be here until 3. Um, If you'd like to share your name with me, it would be great to meet you. If not, I understand. Again, I'm going to be coming around to get your emails if you'd like. Thank you again. Woo!
2: Oh yes, <laughs> I'm on a lot of lists. From the sea to the river. Palestine lives
11: forever. From
8: the sea to the river. Palestine lives forever. From the sea
3: to the river. Palestine lives forever From the sea to the river. Palestine lives forever. Uh,
0: is our theme here we promote the cause of strong democratic unions besides the missoula starbucks united workers there are efforts to do more union organizing in western montana among the service industry and other industries as well that's right jim uh, there are two worksite organizing drives
2: happening here in missoula this month with support from the western montana workers alliance there are experienced and trained volunteers to help you get going You can contact the Western Montana Workers Alliance at westernmtwa at gmail.com. That's W E S T E R N M T W A at gmail.com or by leaving a message at 406 924 3830. That's 406 924 3830. Well, thanks, Jim and Linda and Tully, for a great show. And thanks, Uh, For listening, everyone, please make a contribution to Missoula Community Radio. I believe we are about to embark on fundraising week here at uh, Missoula Community Radio. Um, And there are events that uh, you should pay attention to and go and support. And uh, you should make a contribution to help keep all of our great programs on the air. Just go to our website at www.1015kfgm.org and you can make it there. Most everyone associated with Missoula Community Radio do so without pay, as especially true on this show. (laughs) Um, We are volunteering our time, so please volunteer a few dollars. Thank you. Please join us every week on Voice of the People Radio by and for the 99%.